thanks to David, I recently had the opportunity to sit and watch a Disney documentary called The Rescue. The Rescue tells the remarkable story from 2018 when a football team became stuck in a cave in northern Thailand. And it took an international team of part-time hobby cave divers to rescue them, along with thousands of other people from around the world. In the summer of 2018, a short outing after soccer practice became a two-week of survival in a story that soon captured the world's attention. Monsoon rains had trapped 12 boys in their coach in a Liberian cave in northern Thailand. And within days, thousands of people had descended on the area to try to help, including the Royal uh, Thai Navy SEALs in U.S. Special Forces. But were the boys even still alive was the question ringing through the land. What makes this story so fascinating is that this rescue came down to a couple of cave divers from the U.K. Rick, who was a retired firefighter, not that Rick over there, and his friend John, an IT consultant, who spends their free time on holidays and weekends diving into the dark and horrid underground world. When all hope is lost and they consider going home, the guys make one last dash for it and discover that the entire football team is still trapped in a pitch black chamber two kilometers deep into the cave. Leading to the question, how were they going to get them out of there? This soccer team had to wait two weeks in a dark cave, waiting, depending. I'm slowing down. I want this to hit me. In a dark cave, waiting, depending on someone to rescue them. But while they waited in the unknown, there was someone working on their behalf. Some of y'all already know where I'm going. You can say amen if you want to. And it isn't, and isn't that similar to waiting in life? Isn't that similar sometimes to how we have to wait on God? I'm not talking about a waiting like like standing in line at the grocery store. I'm not talking about the kind of waiting uh, 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 at the stoplight, sitting behind a driver on their cell phone when the light turns green. Just keep looking at me. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the kind of wait that, that, that when you pull up into the gas station and all the pumps are occupied and I have to wait for somebody to pull away. I'm preaching to myself right now. I, I, I know many of you are, are way more patient than me. You, you, you're much more mature in the faith. You don't experience these things. When you pull into the gas station and you see the pumps full, you turn on your worship music and you lift your hands and you begin to praise God because you say, God, although the pumps are full, I know that you're sovereign. And if you wanted me at a pump, y'all get real deep and real spiritual. Me, on the other hand, when I pull, ah, got to be another gas station somewhere. So I, I know y'all, I'm not going to put y'all in the same category as myself. You see, that kind of waiting is bearable. 
when I can see what's going on, when I can anticipate the outcome, that's a different kind of waiting. But what about when you have to wait like the soccer team did? Wait in darkness, waiting in darkness with, with no concept or, or, or idea how things are going to turn out is a different kind of waiting. Waiting without seeing. Waiting not knowing if you're going to make it out. Uh, the Bible puts it this way. It's called walking by faith and not by sight. I want to preach from this thought this morning. A God worth waiting on. A God worth waiting on. I'd like to speak into your hearing a few reasons God is worth waiting on. But first, why wait? But first, why wait? Let me run this verse back to you one more time. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides thee who works for those who wait for him. Number one, God works for those who wait. Child of God, it is important that you understand that God works for those who wait because waiting on God is an act of faith in God. Waiting on God is an act of faith in God. Friends, it's hard to wait when you, when you don't know. But waiting is less about what we know and more about whose we know. Let me run that back. Waiting is less about what we know and more about whose we know. But uh, uh, we, we can know that we know God by how we wait on God. See, we can't wait on God with anxiety or, or fear or, or, or child of God. Uh, 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 we have a choice. We can wait on God uh, 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 with anxiety and fear or child of God. We can wait on God in peace. And when we know God, you don't mind waiting on God. Why? Because we trust in the Lord, our God. Our text tells us that, that God works for those who wait on him in faith. And that ought to make you, you shout that as you wait and trust, God works on your behalf. As you wait and trust, God is working on your behalf. And friends, if, if you live long enough, no, 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 just keep on living. If you live long enough, at some point, you will need God to work for you. Because life, friends, life, friends, life will back you into a corner where you have no choice but to wait. You keep living long enough, life will back you into a corner where you have no choice but to wait. When your resources cannot get you out, when, when, when your intellect cannot get you out, when your network cannot get you out, life will put you in some situations where none of those things will be able to rescue you, and you're going to have to just say, you know what, I'm just going to have to sit here, and I'm going to have to wait.
Because the reality is most things in life can't be achieved by mere human effort. Most things in life cannot be achieved by mere human effort. Therefore, I want to lift up the God who works for his children. And when I say work for us, not as one who would hire someone, but as a father works for his children to provide for them out of love. I want to be clear when I say work for you. You're not God's boss is not what I'm conveying to you. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. It's, 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 it's every parent in the room. You get up and go to work, not because your kids are your boss and they're telling you, but you go to work for them because you love them immensely. And there are some things that you will do for them that you won't do for other people. If you look around, you'll notice, though, come on, I want to level this. I want to... I always want to show up in your living room every Sunday morning. I want to meet you at your dinner table. I want to meet you at your job when you're at your desk or when you're out in the field. I want to be there. If you look around, you'll notice, including me, most of us humans don't like anyone working for us, though. No, we don't. We don't. We don't. We we want to be independent, not dependent. Waiting on someone to deliver us or rescue us puts us in this sort of state of weakness. And if we're being honest, our pride does not like to be in a state of weakness and dependency. Later, I'll talk about our labor, but, 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 but let's start here. Most things we need, we didn't even work for anyhow. Most of the critical things that you need in life, you didn't even work for it. One writer says this, did we labor to be created? Did we make our eyes so we could have the joy of sight? Our ears for hearing. Our nose and mouth for smelling. Did you do that? Did we create our wives or our husbands or our parents or our friends who who give so much delight to our life? Did we supply the earth with water for drinking? Did we make the sun and, and station it at just the right distance to hold the earth fast, warm our days, make our crops grow? Did you do that? I love every time I go on vacation because it gives me an opportunity to be reminded that there's a whole nother world going on on the other side of the world that is not dependent on Dexter Harris. I left California, and California is doing just fine without me. I wish that wasn't the case, so they'd fly me back out there. We surround the earth with air to carry clouds and birds and oxygen, the writer says, for our lungs. Do we paint the sunrise and sunset that never cease, but make their way endlessly around the globe for all to see? Did you do that? And when we come to die, will it be by our labor that a holy and just God can acquit us of all our sin, take away all fear and pain and guilt, and give us new resurrection bodies forever and ever in the age to come? Did we do that? All the things we need most will be achieved for us by the labor of God, or not at all. Feel the weight of that. Feel your humanity. Feel your limitation, church. Feel your dependency. 
of how much God does for us day in and day out that we don't even thank him for. This is the kind of things that that we need to be reminded of lest we stress ourselves out. These are the kind of things that we need to be reminded of lest, lest anxiety become our pillow. These are the things that we need to be reminded of lest we begin to depend on other things when we forget that the, the, mo- the, the, the things that we need most that helps us to survive is, is God's doing. You see, we are like the soccer team in that cave. We need someone greater than us, more experienced than us, to rescue us often from from the woes and changes of life. Life has a way of exposing us all, and and oftentimes, if we're not honest, all we can do is wait. But what makes God worth waiting on? What What makes God, Stephen, worth worth? Worth waiting on. Elwheel, what, what makes him worth, worth waiting on, Steve? Huh? What makes him worthy, worthy of your weight? As I progress through this, you're going to realize everybody's not worthy of your weight. But this God is worthy of your weight. And if I do my job well enough, I think that you'll leave in agreement with me. Let me give you this. You know why God's worth waiting on? Here it is. Let it hit you. Because God doesn't need your help. Oh. Oh. I got to preach it so then you'll shout about it. Uh, God doesn't need your help. That's that's why he's worth waiting on. What do you mean, Pastor? Uh, This might land on you. This, this, This might not land on you at first as it should without a little background first. Look at the verse. The text suggests... That in working for those who wait for him, God does something utterly unique. Now watch it now. Because next says, from old, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by ear, no eye has seen a God besides thee who works for those who wait for him. What is Isaiah talking about? No one has ever heard or seen the likes of this God is what he's saying. No one has never seen this. What are you, what are you talking about, Isaiah? This is, when, this is when you start asking questions of the text. Isaiah, what are you talking about? Isaiah contrasts Jehovah with the Babylonian gods in Isaiah 46, 1 through 4. Baal and Nebo are, are the Jupiter and the Mercury of Babylon, and they are helpless as their failing images. They have to be carried. And so what Isaiah is doing is comparing the God that we serve, the God that we love, the God that we worship with these other gods, these man-made gods. And he's saying that there is a, there is a sharp contrast between the God that you worship and the God that other people worship. And the difference is, is that these gods need to be carried and your God does not need to be carried. Their subjects have to work for them. But the Lord of Israel is the creator, and he does the carrying he is not carried. See, child of God, often God will allow us to go into situations, go into caves bigger than us that, that, that we are not able to deliver ourselves from so that, we, so that he might prove to us and all those watching, he doesn't need human hands to be rescued. 
Okay. Uh, you know how we are, right? Like, we get in the situation. We Christians, right? So you know, you know we gonna pray, right? Cause, cause I mean, I mean, I don't want to feel like I ain't saved if I don't pray. We gonna pray. If we don't do nothing else, we gonna let's pray. But after we pray, we not just gonna leave it there. We gonna we we we'll probably wait on God for a couple minutes. All right, God, you got you got about five minutes. You got about five minutes. And then after that, we're going to say, maybe God needs a little help. Uh, y'all not going to be honest this morning. <laughs> because God, I know God busy running the universe. I don't want to, you know, you know, I don't want to put it all on him. So God, let me help you out with some things so that we can get this ball rolling. But what this text is saying is that God does not need you to help him to rescue you. Let's go back to the cave real fast. Go back to the cave with me. Walk in the darkness of this cave with me. Let's walk up to this soccer team. Let's walk with these, let's swim with these divers. The location of these boys. I need you to feel yourself in this cave. I need you to feel two weeks in darkness, not knowing if you'll get out. Do you know how they got those boys out that cave? And I, and I must confess that it almost brought me to tears because, because although I've never been stuck in a cave, I've been stuck in some things in life. And it really knocked me off, off my feet when, when, when they got to this particular part because I was just trying to watch the documentary, but and then the documentary started to preach to me. I don't know if anybody in the room ever just tried to be normal and things started to preach to you. They started to talk to you in ways that you didn't intend for them to talk to you. And, I, and I'm just going to be, I'm going to confess that sometimes inanimate objects sometimes preach to me. Don't think that I'm weird, but, 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 but sometimes things are always preaching to me. And so I got to this particular part in the documentary and, and, and it begin to preach to me. The way they got these boys out is that they literally put the boys to sleep as one would do someone going into surgery. The cave divers knew that awake, they would actually get in the way of them getting them out. The boys were no use to the cave divers in regards to saving them. The boys couldn't advise or help, so the cave divers put them to sleep, and carried them to deliverance. Bethel Gary, our God, is mighty to save, and he will carry us if we will trust him. This is why God chooses, this is why God chooses the hard routes in life. I'm going to preach to somebody this morning. Rick, this is why God chooses the hard routes in life. Yeah, I don't know about you, but sometimes I got to inquire of our God. Why do you often choose the hard route instead of the easy route? Ain't nobody ever asked God that question. You ain't never said, God, I got a bet. I know an easier way. No, I do. I do. I do. I do. Hey, I know. I know you got, but I got another way. We can do right here. Look. We ain't gotta wait. We ain't gotta wait three months. Right here, look. You put A and B, and you connect that to C. You carry it three times, carry it over. Boom! We can be out of this, God. But God, oftentimes, chooses to send His children down the devil. 
go around. And sometimes I scratch my head like, why? Why else would God choose a man and a woman in retirement with an AARP card to give birth to Isaac? Why else would you choose a runaway fugitive to deliver your people from Egypt? That doesn't make sense to me. Why else? I mean, you ain't never read the Bible and say, this just don't make sense to me. God, why would you choose a boy over a giant to get glory? Nobody would choose the boy over the giant if they were in a fight. Why else would you allow three boys to be thrown into the fire and then deliver them? You couldn't get me out this situation before the furnace? I mean, you are God. Like, I'm just being human. I'm just being regular. Why allow Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den? You couldn't get me out of this before the lion's den? Why allow Esther to put her life on the line before you rescued the people of Israel? Why call a virgin and then have her give birth? Why allow your son to die and then raise him three days? I'll tell you why. So that we would know that our God is set apart from these false gods. That's why he does it. Because it ain't about you. It's about him. So that we would know that all things, so, so, so that we would know that all the things we are prone to depend on and are dependent on cannot save us. This is why God goes the hard route because God needs you to know. It's even for him, it's, it's for you to know that he's able to save. Because when you encounter the living God, you for the first time in your life have encountered someone who does not need you, but yet loves you. When you meet Yahweh, you have for the first time in all your life found a being that doesn't need you. Therefore, he doesn't abuse you and he does not use you. For the first time in your life, a being that will not drain you, a God that will not drain you, but one that will work for you. The distinguishing mark of, of, uh, 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 of the God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is that he magnifies his greatness by coming down to work for us. I'm going to preach this thing before it's over with. Some of us, some of us are so drained because almost everything in our life that we thought would refresh or restore us or keep us has drained us. Some of us are so drained because almost everything in our life that we thought would refresh us, restore us, keep us, has drained us. The boyfriend that you thought was going to give you everything that you needed, is now draining you. The dating world that you thought would be the answers to some of the things that you needed. And, I, and you need to talk to folks in the dating world. They'll tell you it ain't no joke out here. They said, if you're married, stay married. This is what they say to me. They say, Pastor, uh, it's not out here. 
your marriage that you thought would refresh you, restore you, rescue you, keep you. You've been married long enough, you found out that is not true. The sex, the drugs, the school, be, be honest, everything but God has demanded more than it had promised to give. And friends, that right there is the issue with idols. You have to keep picking them up. You have to continue to save them. And friends, you and I have to be careful that we don't worship things that we have to save. The thing that you worship is dependent on you to save it. It is not worthy of your worship. Reminds me of this Old Testament story. When the Philistine captured the Ark of God, they brought it. They brought it from Ebenezer to Ashad. Then the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and set it up besides Dagon. I love this story. It's funny. You got to read it. And when the people of Ashad rose early the next day, behold, Dagon, the false god, had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord. Y'all didn't catch it. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. Uh, they took the ark of God where the presence of God was. They put it in the same room with another god that they had made up. And when they got up in the morning, that god was face down worshiping our god. Y'all, okay. Y'all didn't catch it. Let me see. I can say it, I can say it a different way. Uh, let's see. So God was saying that I'm, I'm over this guy. Now watch this, because this is where it gets funny, because you would think that somebody would say, you know what, maybe we should worship this guy. But somehow, we just stupid. You know, I just stupid. Watch this. So they took Dagon and put him back in his place. He fell down. They walk in. They see him down. And they say, aha! We'll pick him up. Maybe something happened. Maybe he fell over. Watch this. They took Dagon, put him back in his place. But when they rose early on the next morning, but behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. God said, okay, you didn't get it? I'm going to break them so you can't set them back up. But what I want you to see is that, is, that, is, 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 that, is that they had to go in and they had to continue to pick that false God up. And what I'm trying to tell you is that if you got to keep picking things up and putting it in its place, then at some point you need to get the idea that this thing can't rescue, it can't save. I got to keep, you got to keep picking boyfriends up. You got to keep, you got to keep picking drugs up. You got to keep putting them back in their pace, babysitting them. Because they cannot rescue you. But why else does God work waiting on? Not only does God not need you to pick him up or carry him, but in addition to that, consider what one writer says, the competence of God's work. The competence of God's work. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be real. Y'all can judge me if y'all want to. I don't trust everybody's work. I don't trust everybody's work. Let me give you a few things I don't go cheap on 
or I don't let everyone in anyone work on. Christian, you're going to be able to relate to this. <laughs> Number one, my car. I don't let everybody work on my car. Now, I ain't got no special car, nothing like that, but I don't let everybody work on my car. I don't go cheat with it. I've been burnt. My family has as well with the taking the old boy around the corner. Some of y'all keep looking at me. <laughs> now, I wouldn't ever press the end of this. Now, I understand. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Now, listen. There are some great old boys around the corner, Mike. But my experience is I leave with problems I didn't come with. (laughs) I got a a whole issue that when I take something to you and when I get it back, I got more problems than when I gave it to you. (laughs) Now, I don't fall out, baby. Hold on. You supposed to beat them again. (laughs) You asking me what's that sound? I don't know what the sound is. You, you the expert. You tell me. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Sometimes be therapy, therapy for me up here. Okay, let me keep moving. <laughs> Number two, <laughs> if it ain't my car, my house. Okay? Now, I don't just go to anybody. I don't mess with every handyman and handy girl. You are not about to mess up my plumbing in my house. You've been in my house three times creating problems. Three times you've been here. And every time you leave, I got another problem. Then got the unmitigated gall to charge me more. And let me tell y'all something, man. When you get in moments like that, it's hard for you to stay holy, man. Like, it is. I didn't tell you to go put a website up lying to me. The list goes on, but I digress. But you see, God doesn't do jobs twice or three times. Because when God does his work, God does it right, friends. Let me say that one more time. When God does the job, God does it right the first time. No, 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 y'all don't get it. God lacks nothing when it comes to doing his job. God has never been incompetent in running the universe. God ain't never been incompetent for saving you, rescuing you, giving you wisdom, giving you knowledge. When God does the job, baby, you better believe that it's been done right. I wish I had some folks in the room now that can testify that I tried to do it myself. I had other people to do it, but one day... I said, God going to have to fix this thing. And when God got a hold of my life, uh, God fixed it. The alcohol couldn't fix it. The people couldn't fix it. The job couldn't fix it. But when God got a hold of this life, y'all, things begin to change. Things begin to line up. Things begin to line up and do right. Because when God fixes your life, baby, it ain't going to be jacked up. It ain't going to be messed up. God going to get you right. And when God gets you right, can't nobody break it. In the all right church, he's able to give you joy that can't nobody give you. And not only is he competent, but, but, but I also discover this. God lacks nothing when it comes to a job. Oh, you didn't shout. All right, I'm going to let y'all in my business one more time. One time I had an uh, 
an electrician do a job for me. See, I've been scarred, y'all. Don't come to me for handyman advice, none of that, because I'm jacked up. I got, I got handyman, handywoman trauma. Don't come to me. I need therapy. One time I had an electrician do a job for me, and he did a good job, but, but he had to keep going to the store to get more material. And before he did the job, we had an agreement. And he kept looking at me for money. And I'm like, man, I'm a pastor, man. I ain't got it like that. I just thought we A, B, and C. Well, you got to keep going to Menard. Getting material, but not with God. God does not need to go anywhere to get anything because God owns it all. And even if he doesn't have it, he can speak it into existence. Oh, he's able. I'm trying to tell y'all that God is different than your local handyman and handy girl. God can just speak it and bam. One last thing about depending on humans to work for you for something uh, sometimes is that sometimes this is my pet peeve right here. Pray for me when they don't show up. Anybody? Ever had some folks that told you they were going to show up and they didn't show up? One thing, I, 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 I hate when folks don't show up. Now, 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 the difference is, is that you may have to wait on God, but God's going to show up. You may have to wait on him. You may have to be patient. You may have to cry sometimes. You may have to rock yourself to sleep sometimes. You may say, God, I've been sitting in this thing way too long. But one thing you know, if you've been rocking with God long enough, is that at some point, he going to show up. He may not show up when you want him, but he's always on. He's always on time, right on time, right on the spot. Just when you're getting ready to throw it away, God shows up right on time. Can't nobody ever testify that God ain't never showed up for you. God has showed up for you when he shouldn't showed up for your tail. You know God didn't look out for you when he shouldn't have looked out for you. Go back to the cave with me again. Go back to the cave. Let's go visit the soccer team again. Because can you believe those divers almost quit the job? No, they almost left because their knowledge was failing them. The situation had, had baffled them to the point where they almost quit. Friends, can I speak this word of encouragement to you? God ain't never been baffled. God ain't never been confused. God ain't never said, I don't know how I'm going to get out this situation. I don't know how I'm going to get him out this situation. Have you ever got yourself into some stuff? No, I'm not talking about things that life just put on you. I'm talking about have you ever got yourself into an entanglement? Have you ever got yourself into a mess that you couldn't get yourself out of? It ain't no mess that you're going to ever bring to God that God cannot solve and fix. His knowledge of how everything works and how to meet every need is infinite. And his strength and endurance are infinitely 
God can not fail. God, Miss Frida, can not fail. Somebody needs to hear this. Ruth, God can not fail. He cannot, he will not fail. This is what he says in Isaiah 49, 46, 9 through 10. I am a God. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient time, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. He cannot fail. In other words, no matter how you slice it, no matter how you turn it, no matter how you do it, undo it, run it, drop it, kick it, pull it, bop it, God can't fail. Y'all remember in Chosen Moses? When he was at the burning bush, questioning God before he went to Pharaoh, he's like, now, God, I know you said that you want to deliver the people of Israel. Did I get that right, God? Yeah, you got it right. Um, but how you going to do that? Because I know Pharaoh. Do, 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 do you know who Pharaoh is? And God is like, boy, take the stick and I will show you when you get there. In other words, you will see it when you get there. So you should wait on God because... He doesn't need you, and he is more than capable. But everyone shouldn't wait on God. Everyone shouldn't wait on God because God doesn't work for everyone the same way. The text says the condition is this. God works for those who trust, who love, who wait on him. Let's go back to the cave real fast. When the divers finally discovered the boys, they were excited and relieved. You should, see, you should have seen it. When the divers finally arrived to the soccer team after two weeks of being in darkness, and you finally see your rescue come before you, the boys had this kind of relief on their face. You can see the hope in their face when they seen the cave divers. And what gave the cave divers the motivation and determination to get to them is the hope that they saw on their faces. And the divers said that we cannot fail them because they are hoping in us. We cannot let them down because they are hoping in us. The divers, in other words, took ownership of this soccer team. They, 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 they literally took on their burden. They, 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 they literally took on their way. Although the cave divers didn't get them stuck in the cave, they still took ownership of the situation. They felt this sense of, I can't fail them. They are hoping in me. And friends, God takes your trust in him way more serious. I need y'all to feel this. God takes your trust in him. You're hoping in him. You're waiting on him. Ten billion times more serious than the cave divers. God will move heaven and earth to work things out for the good of those who love him called according to his purpose. God works for you, child of God, in a way he doesn't work for the unbelieving co-worker. 
Now, to be clear, there is a general work which God does for all his creatures. Theologians call it common grace. It is common to all men. One theologian says he works to produce life and to provide sun and rain and harvest for all his creatures, even those in rebellion. He gives health and prosperity to millions who ignore him or give him token acknowledgement. But the work of God referred to in our text today is a special grace. Did you hear me in here? It's a, it's a special grace. It is work done only for those who have a certain posture towards him. No eye has seen a God besides thee who work for those who wait for him. The work mentioned here is more than creation and preservation. It is more than meeting a few natural needs. It is the investment of all God's energy in every way for our eternal good. This God does only for those who wait for him. Okay, Pastor. Okay. Okay. All right. Got it. God works for those who wait, love, and trust them. Got it, Pastor. I also got, just in case you thought I fell asleep during your sermon, that he can't fail in his work. Got it. And just in case you thought I was on Facebook and Twitter and IG while you were preaching, and I was, I'm going to be honest, I was, but I can multitask. I still heard you when you said that God is worth waiting on because God doesn't need our help like other false gods. Got it. But, Pastor... I got one question before we get out of here. As you've been talking, I've been thinking. No, like for real. I've really been thinking. I've really been taking in what you've been saying because I've been well acquainted with waiting. I've really been taking all of this in. Honestly, you had my attention as soon as you mentioned waiting. I've been living long enough and, 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 and I realize there's, there's no way around waiting. But in a minute, you're going to wrap up. You are planning on wrapping up in a minute, right? Yeah. Good. Good. As you know, you can't lie in church neither, right? But anyhow, pastor, I don't want to get us distracted. Anyhow, my situation will be waiting for me in the parking lot. My anxiety and my depression will be waiting for me in the parking lot. And, and, and injustice will be waiting for me in the parking lot. And my marriage will be waiting for me in the parking lot. So before we go, if you don't mind, Pastor, can you please tell us how to wait on God? Can you please tell us how to wait on God? I'm glad that you asked that question because I want to give it to you before you go. So the big question for all of us who want to have God working for you and not against you is how do we wait for him? What does waiting mean? In Isaiah, waiting for God implies that the people of God are in trouble. That's right. Sit up in your chair. The people in this text can relate to you. The last three chapters of this book, chapter 64, 65, and 66, are immediately linked together. In chapter 64, we have what might be called the hard cry, the prayer of the remnant in the last day. They are in danger from enemies. And the temptation is very great to hastily seek the help of man instead of waiting for God to act. Isaiah 31 says this, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and trust in chariots because they are many. 
on the horsemen because they are very strong. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. Waiting for the Lord, first of all, then. Looking to the Lord, consulting or seeking his will before any human aid is pursued. In short, we wait for the Lord when we pause to pray before we act. When we pause and we pray before we act. Now, I need you to get this. Part of waiting on God is taking that pause to pray before you do anything. I need you to understand how important this is. In Psalms 106, 13, it says, They soon forgot his work, and they did not wait for his counsel. The first act of waiting is to seek God's counsel in prayer before, you, before any attempt is made to solve the problem ourselves. I remember one time I tried to change my alternator in my car. Speaking of old boy around the corner, I was old boy around the corner one day. Adam, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. And I ended up breaking something, which shouldn't be to nobody's surprise. <clears throat> See why I don't trust myself? And I had to call my dad. And I thank God for my dad because my dad always comes through. My dad came, he looked at it, and then he looked at me. <laughs> that, ain't no, that, that ain't never good, Scott. He looked at the alternator, then he looked at me. And he said, why didn't you call me first, son? You could have avoided a bigger problem and now it's going to cost you more. Friends, we need to pray before we act we might avoid a bigger problem. Go read the book of Joshua in your spare time and, and look what happened to him because he did not seek the counsel of God first. Waiting starts with prayer. And prayer is not telling God what to do or how to solve it. If you're going to do that, then you might as well go do it yourself. Instead, prayer is a bowing posture. Lord, you lead and we will follow. And when we pray, God Almighty... Would you please fight for us? When we pray, God might say, be still. He might say, I'll fight for you or deliver you or I'll cause it to fall in your lap. You don't have to fight for the promotion. I'll bring it to you. Or God might say, go and apply for the job. So when we pray for God's counsel, we must be prepared to hear him say what Moses did at the Red Sea. Fear not, stand firm, behold the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be still. Sometimes God will tell you to be still. I got this. Or God may say, enter the battle. We see this in 2 Samuel 5, 19, when the Philistines were pursuing David, he said, David says, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will thou give them into my hands? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into thy hands. He did not take matters into his own hands. He waited for the Lord, and then the Lord said, act. But even in acting, we must remember we are still reliant. Because we are always waiting on the Lord, even in acting, as we are always dependent on him. And I want to share something with you. We've been praying, asking God to show us where this new church will be. And when I say we've been praying, y'all, 
we've been praying. Me and God been fighting. I know what it is to wait on him. Me and God have had some conversations. Like, Lord, you know where it is? Why don't you just go ahead and give it up? <laughs> By the way, we still don't have an answer we can share. But I'm hoping soon. But we did get one answer. We've been looking at a couple buildings for our gathering. And I do use the word gathering intentionally because the church is not the building. The church is us. And there was this one place that I was wrestling with. And I was like, I think that this may be the spot. And so we prayed over it. And we prayed this prayer literally. Here it is. God, if this is not your will, please close the door. Close it so tightly that no one can open it. I'm giving you the prayer how we pray it. Burn it down if you have to. Well, here's the building less than 24 hours later after that prayer. I got a call from the realtor 24 hours later. They said, he said, Mr. Harris, I got some news for you. Uh, that building you was looking at, it's burned down to the ground. I said... I just laughed. <laughs> I couldn't do nothing else but laugh. He burned it down. Now, that ain't what I was hoping for. I, I prayed the prayer, but that ain't what I, you know you praying one day and you hoping something else. <laughs> when I got in the car, I said, oh, man. <laughs> I, I got to be careful what I pray for. Because <laughs> you may just get it. I, should, I probably should have prayed something else, like, you know, uh, you know, give it to us or something. Uh, you know, let it come with a million dollars or something. I, after, that, after that, I said, hey, can you, you know, resurrect it? I know, you know, I'll let, you know. I, it, it didn't work, though. It didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. It still burned down. Uh, well, Bethel Gary, I share this with you because we are in a waiting season. We are waiting on God. And thank God we pray before we, before we act. And Bethel Gary, as we're in this waiting season, let this picture remind you that God does answer prayer. And that God is with this church. God has a plan for this church. And we may not have all the answers. We do have the one who is the answer. But even if that picture didn't convince you that God is with us, I want to paint one last picture. And that picture is the cross. The clearest picture that God is for us as the worship team comes back is the cross of Jesus Christ. The reality is, is that we don't need burnt down buildings. We don't need God to do nothing else. 
But what he did on the cross is sufficient enough to remind us day in and day out because God don't always burn down buildings. But there's one thing that God has done 2,000 years ago that is the clearest picture to every believer in the entire world, and it is the cross of Jesus Christ. That God works for us. That he put on human flesh, and he did what we could not do. And he died the death that we could not die. But good God Almighty, three days later, he rose up from that grave and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And yeah, there's holes in his hands and holes in his feet. But this is what we know is that the resurrected Jesus is at work for us. That he'll even burn down buildings to remind us that he is for us and not against us. And so as we leave this place, church, may you remember. May you hold in your heart as you consider your own situation, as you pray for the future of our church, as you grapple with life, as life sometimes puts you in caves that you can't get out of, in dark spaces that you cannot see situations that your power and your intelligence cannot get you out of. Will you remember this, church? As I, too, am remembering in this season of life, God loves to work for those who wait on